welcome back to Artist Avenue. I am so excited to share this special episode with you all today. For this, I am joined by the two beautiful ladies that are Tash and Laura. Tash and Laura are the founders of I Can Do That, a miscast cabaret. This cabaret was born out of their final project at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and has continued to evolve ever since then. Their aim is to give up-and-coming performers the chance to play a role they feel they'd never be cast as, for many various reasons. Next to finding out the roots of their business idea and talking about ups and downs in the making of I Can Do That and Miscast Cabaret, join us on our discussion on casting types, how to defy your typecasting, and how to embrace being a unique individual in our industry and our day-to-day life. Enjoy this lovely and unique episode! Hi there, we're Laura and Tash and we are the founders of I Can Do That, a miscast cabaret. Hello and welcome to Artist Avenue. Um, would you like to tell us a bit about what I Can Do That cabaret is and how you started it out? Yeah, the cabaret sort of started when we were both studying at Central with yourself, Christiana. Mm. And um, we were kind of working our way towards our dissertation projects. And we were both doing a really similar kind of different projects but a similar theme and I think <laughs> I think it was actually that I I talked about my uh, the idea of doing something like it with my SIP supervisor I don't even I don't even think I was telling you about it Laura and then <laughs> I remember I was telling someone else and Laura went I'm gonna help you do that yeah we're gonna we're gonna put this on no, together and I was you know like I, yeah great <laughs> I remember you told Christiana you were telling Christiana yeah. in Bodycon and I was just like loitering in the conversation <laughs> And I mean, we are friends. I feel like I have to say it as a prerequisite. It wasn't like yes. I was just there for a laugh. We've and never, you were we've talking never about spoken it. before this. We never spoken, <laughs> and I just interrupted the conversation and said, "I'll do it with you." No, and and I overheard it, and um, cabaret and is something, something I would really was born. Something <laughs> happened because I I I remember you being like, oh, "I really want to do it," but it seems like a really a big thing. And I was like, yeah. "Oh well, I've always wanted to do." something like that so why don't we combine yeah, our ideas exactly and I think it worked out so much for the better because of that but I do remember that day I just I do remember turning to you and you just being like nah we're doing it together and that's perfect but as as Laura said we had had many ideas over the course of our year for random different things that we were gonna somehow <gasps> make projects together and this was the one that I think I think we were kind of coming towards we were at our final show of our studies and I think it was the point where Laura was like well we've got to find something that's going to stick together <laughs> now yeah. um but it was all of our other businesses great. yes all of our other businesses hadn't taken flight so um no they hadn't <laughs> so, so this was, was the, the one cabaret or nothing <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah or no business um <laughs> but yeah we were both kind of in our dissertations we were both kind of exploring like casting and the kind of um I guess they're not unspoken, but these kind of like unspoken casting rules and ha- and kind of we both in our in our dissertations were writing about kind of breaking free of the certain boxes that you might be put as in a casting type and playing against um you know seeing it's it is nice to see someone do something that isn't that kind of box they've been put in you know and even also, at the time yeah through like Tash um, very rightly said, our ideas were under, I would say, the same umbrella of casting. And, and then the we had branches. different projects, different branches. Yeah. And especially through the branch that I was exploring, made me 
read a lot of stories about people in all different areas of theatre so not even just professional level I mean lots of professional level mm. but you know going right back down to through drama schools amateur you know profit share all that sort of stuff like all different ranges of people having these casting experiences which mm-hmm. obviously then translate up and up and up just like Tash said onto seeing kind of the same thing yeah. over and over again in terms of casting and that's kind of what we aim to we, we want to try and break and that's what we do through our cabaret because yeah. it is you know you do have to take a chance on things in terms of um you know directors producers and all that sort of thing so there is some argument to say why they stick to what they know when they go oh yeah. well we know we can sell tickets if you know because that looks like that and this person's always a man or this person's always a woman or whatever so it, it's nice that we found a safe environment and that's really what me and Tash both really in. It's a safe, yeah, a safe environment for performers of all different levels mm-hmm. to get the opportunity to experiment with these things that yeah. they wouldn't get seen for, they wouldn't be cast as. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when you come from like a drama school, well, any kind of background in performing, but especially as we were kind of in our year at drama school, I mean, the amount of times you're told what you will and won't play or do or whatever was really like, oh, okay. And, and so, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not that much of a shock, but I know I personally had someone that I was like, oh, okay. And I mean, as you guys know, I ended up playing Cinderella's Prince in our final production. Um, mm-hmm. And so my kind of branch, if you will, was looking more so at... Um, gender and not only kind of the idea of gender swapping because we see so much gender swapping now especially like you see it's so much in Shakespeare with you know female hamlets and taking on those kinds of roles but especially in musical theatre it's not it's not something you see as much and if you do see it it's a novelty thing like a miscast cabaret and I was already dealing with figuring out how to play a male role and and you know Adam our director, he, it was very much not about me being a woman playing a man, but playing a man and all these kind of different layers. So I kind of played with, continued on that kind of route and looking at a female voice in a male role. And uh, yeah, as Laura said, we wanted to provide this kind of safe environment in which you could come up and you could have, you could come up and sing a role that you'll constantly be told that you would never, ever, ever play for what for whatever reason. And I, I think in the cabarets that we have done, I think I've been really proud and I think Laura would say the same, but that we've been able to kind of have that mix of not only inviting people into just gender swap, you know, and not just to come and go, oh, well, you know, I've been told I'm three feet too short, three feet too short, but, you know, to play... L Woods and Legally Blonde or whatever, I don't know. But to like completely reimagine a song and a character. And that's what we've kind of encouraged, especially in our second cabaret. And it is, it's still got a ways to go, but I think sometimes we have had, you know, we had um, jazz in our last cabaret who completely reimagined Wishing You Were Somehow Here Again into a jazz ballady, amazing piece of work with Sam. Stunning. It was so incredible. Stunning. And that's what we wanted to do. It's, you know, let people make a role their own because you're not, you don't necessarily always get that opportunity to do that on stage, especially when you're kind of in these boxes. 
Yeah, no, completely. And obviously that links nicely to the next question. And it's, you're so passionate about this topic yourself, obviously as well. And do you think there's any challenges that you have faced as a performer in this topic about being told that you can't play this or you can't play that? And do you think that kind of like sparked and bubbled it more? Yeah, so I don't know if we said it or not. So we all did the MA at Central and everyone came from different backgrounds. And I personally had done three years at a different institution in Manchester and then had a couple of years out. And I have, it's, even if it's not been said to me out of my face, I've always been hinted to me that I'm too fat for certain roles, but then I'm too thin for other roles because I'm a UK size 10 to 12, which obviously means I'm far too fat to play a love interest, but then far <laughs> too, but they're not fat enough to be funny. So it's like, oh, well, you don't actually quite sit in either of them, but oh, we'll let you pretend to be fat. Then I've just been told that I'm just not, so there's parts that I can sing or perform. Oh, you're just not right for it. Like you're just not, you, you just, you're not right for it. And whilst that is something that people hear all the time, and sometimes, yes, you might not be right for it because you might not have the right chemistry with the person who's playing opposite you. Or it might be that you're auditioning for an ensemble piece and everyone's got to be five foot three. And that's just the way it is, you know? It's, I always found that being not right for things was just kind of like a, some, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes can be used as just kind of a fob off remark. Like, oh yeah, yeah, well, you're just not right for that. And it's actually to do with something uh, you know physically about yourself and it's not not always mm -hmm. but it it very often is that and that's a big challenge that I face and I am another challenge which I think Tash is the same as is that mm. I'm always told you'll you'll do you'll, you'll work so much when you're older and, and I know other people and they're like that's great but what am I meant to do for the next 10 years until yeah. I'm old enough to play because everyone goes to me oh you'd be a great mum you'd, you'd be the great mum in Dervin Hansen or the great whatever or the great older weird secretary in that thing. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, but because I don't look young enough to play like a teenager, but I'm not quite old enough to be someone older. It's it's that really annoying thing of, okay, cool. So what am I meant to do? Mm. Like if you're telling me I don't look old enough to be those parts now, what where am I meant to go? <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes though, when you get it told so many times as well, automatically as a performer, you kind of use that as an excuse as well like when looking at breakdowns yeah. and stuff sometimes you're like I'm too tall for that so I'm not going to apply and I think that's something that we need to change and not let it over like take control over us because who says that this person cannot be played by a I don't know like a taller person you know like mm. yeah I think that's really interesting I think, I think it helps I think I agree with you completely Christiana in that it 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 kind of helps keep everyone in their random boxes and that are usually filled from just a, a seeing a person like seeing their physicality and stuff and as Laura said there are so many factors and yes sometimes it, it does need to be a certain height and it does need to be a certain thing but I think what we played with as well is I, I agree with Laura I've, I've been told that I'll play older roles and that's that's awesome because there are some great older roles but at 26, when you, you're paying a lot of money for drama school and you sit there going, okay, and what am I going to do till I can play Mama Rose? <laughs> like, what am I, what am I, what am I doing? Um, and I know, I think it also feeds into quite a lot of, you know, I don't want to be super negative or anything, but 
it feeds into a lot of insecurities for people that then yeah. are not things that I think the language in which we use for it sometimes needs, okay, yes, you might not be right for it, but it doesn't need to be negative language that tells you you're not right for it. If, if you know what I mean, I don't want to sound silly, but like, I know, as Laura said, we were this and, and we were such a big group, especially of girls in our class. And I remember um, I've, I've been lucky enough to not have had the experience of someone telling me you're too fat to play this role. But the word that was used at Central a lot was, you are very strong. Your body is, is strong. But the hand actions that always went with that were like, a, you are wide and strong. <laughs> and I would kind of sit there and be like, as, and I was, it was visible in the, in the kind of class lineup. If you had us lined up, I was one of the bigger girls of, of what there was. But I, as Laura said, I'm, I'm an athletic size 12. But in comparison to what I was surrounded with all day and then being told I was strong, but wide without Mm. that word ever being said, you kind of sit there and go, okay. And I think part of that, if we'd had, I think if we'd had more, uh, not more ways to go, but um, you know, more of a word count for the dissertation, that was part of my kind of concept was because I was being told, I was like, you will be a sassy best friend or a mum or, or this role. And I kind of thought, okay, but, and, and also being told like those were the more interesting roles. And I remember sitting there and going, so why isn't she the person that the story's about? And I would have gone on way too much of a tangent from like my thesis, but I, I, that was something that I was really questioning. I went, so why am I not watching the story of, you know, the sassy best friend? Cause more, you know, you, you, I mean, I'd never play it, obviously, but, you know, West Side Story and Anita, Anita is an amazing role and goes through such an insane thing. And to me, I find Anita much more interesting than Maria. As a controversial, don't everyone hate me? Oh, my gosh. But, you know. I, no, I think, I think many people would agree with you, though, because yeah. um, Anita is like this sassy, independent, got these fabulous, fabulous songs and... Having said that, it's like for my for my dissertation, I looked at "Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat" from Guys and Dolls, and I spoke to one of our tutors about it. He would play the role, Steve, and he, when we were going through it, like all these different things, which I will not go on about because we'll be restarting this eighty-six times. But something really interesting that he said to me was, uh, "He gets nicely, nicely sings it. Gets the eleven o'clock number. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. Is the eleven o'clock." number the bit with the big number of the show and it isn't sung by any of the leads it and you know i say that with their bunny ears over it yeah it's sung by him but he's like the bigger guy he's the funny guy and like tash said like the thesis could have been uh, like 500 pages long if you looked into that but yeah it's another thing to consider that people don't consider you don't and even me i don't sit there and think oh god isn't it funny that that person singing that song. It's not till you reflect on it and go, oh yeah, actually. So it, it's all, mm. there's, lots, there's lots to consider. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Cause it, it is, I get what you mean, Tash. Like I've heard it a lot as well. Like general, they speak about the side roles being more interesting and being more funny. And mm. it is a good question then. Why isn't the story told 
through their eyes as, as well as the main character that they already have. And you know, yes. that's really so interesting because my a teacher that I work with, she is very funny and her favourite phrase is pigeonholes are for pigeons. Mm. So when I go in crying that there's nothing for me to audition for, <laughs> she goes, Laura, pigeonholes are for pigeons. And the first time she told me, I was like, what? But now I say it all the time, but it's true. She's yeah. like, you don't have to put yourself... You're, we become... As performers, you become obsessed with putting yourself in a box. And mm. there's a reason why, because you want to know how to, you want to know how you're going to be cast. Yeah, yeah. And you want to know what you should put in your rep. And you want to know what you should tell your agent to put you up for or whatever. Yeah. There's a reason why, but like Tasha, you become so obsessed with the box that you don't think that someone might come along and want to cast that differently because yeah, you're yeah. so, you're so wonderful about, oh my God, but that's not, that's just, that's, and that's not my box. That's mm-hmm. not the box I live in. Because one day, and it is happening slowly but surely, a director may come along and go, no, I want it totally different. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring that person in because I want it different. And she, my, this same teacher always says to me as well, she totally flips it. And she's like, you don't want to be a boring, blonde, little soprano. Who wants to be that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just so funny. And there's me thinking, oh, but I'd love to be like, you know, Cosette or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't because I, I don't controversial but because that's the worst character in name is um but um she always says it to me and I'm like god I've never thought of it that way at all yeah. it's because she has been through she's very similar to me she got all her work when she was older and she says it from experience she goes you don't want to be that person because I've got students who are that person and they get sick to death of playing oh it's just you don't even think about the other side of it they get sick to death of playing yeah. the sweet innocent blonde let's sing high person and they're equally as rattled going oh my god i'm really funny let me mm. sing something characterful and and full of life so i mean i think that's important we and that's it's important to say that we welcome all aspects obviously me and tash come from a, quite a similar like yeah. viewpoint of it but it isn't just the people who are you know like oh you're too fat for that or oh you're too thin for that it's also the people who maybe fit into a box really well and they're just like oh my god am I ever going to be allowed to audition for anything that's not in this box I I completely get you guys because I'm facing that with my height which is really silly like it's basically of one or two centimeters but like there's like this one role that I really want to play and like the voice fits everything fits but the like breakdown says you're just one centimeter too tall. And I'm like, well, okay. And I spent so many years just being like, well, not, not even going to apply for that because I'm one centimeter too tall. And then it's just now when, when like people started talking about casting and blah, blah. And like you had this pandemic time to think about. And I kind of went for this role. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to apply because maybe the director might want to see something else this time. But it also, it takes so much time to get your head out of that of like, yeah. I don't know how to many years. Like, into being brave yeah. enough. Yeah, because like for the past six years, you've been hearing this. And then it's, a, it's on us performers, I think, as individuals to be brave and just be like, mm. I don't care what they're going to think. I'm going to apply because they might see something different. God, what is the world coming to that we're all obsessed over such small things? Then I guess it's what she's saying is, that's what she's saying is the, the, when breakdowns come out, if yes, it says I mean. that in the breakdown, you'd sit there and you'd be like, oh no like it's just yeah because at the other time like we also get told that 
we have to apply smarts. As performers, we need to send off our smarts applications and not waste people's time and like show that we have read the things. Mm. Like that feeds into it as well, I think. And sometimes you get so caught up on details, especially if you're like a little overthinker, like a lot of us are. Like myself (laughs) as well. But you then sit there and you're like, well, will they get annoyed? You know, because I've been told in college that they might get annoyed if you just like, you know, that I'm wasting their time. But it's not true because at the end of the like day it's everyone's job to get involved and it's up to you as an individual to get to your point and like to get to your goal and yeah. dream so you might as well just like send off things and like change the norm in a way yeah and mm-hmm. also i think it's being smart with what you're going against mm. like i i sometimes someone's like you've got to look at you've got you've got to physically look or be or sound or whatever a certain way because that is the story that we're telling Mm -hmm. and we're telling it to the book like that's what we're doing or you know you've got to fit in the bubble to fly across Oz so you need to be the right height fair they're not going to rebuild the whole set of Wicked because for one person who's too tall and things like that you can go yeah all right but other things like if it's just because they put a, a, a height thing up or you know, they've said, oh, we want someone with brown eyes and you, your eyes are slightly browny green. Yeah, I, I can't. For someone to get mad about that, I'd be like, okay, I think that's a bit extreme. Whoa. Like, you know, you, it's, it's, it's a business where you have to like push it a bit, innit? Yeah. yeah. Schmooze. Be bold and be brave. Yeah, so then also going back to your cabarets, obviously you hadn't done a cabaret before I can do that cabaret. How did you start off planning it? And did you face any challenges whilst doing that? And how did you overcome those? So we did have some challenges um, because it was our first cabaret. I had tried to put on a cabaret once before in Manchester on my own and it went horribly wrong and it had to be cancelled. Um, so I knew what we needed to avoid. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> but... This is something that I think worked so well because we were a team, because there were two of us doing it, which makes a big difference when I personally feel when you're putting something on like that, first time, fresh grads, you know, it's really good to have more than one of you involved because my biggest downfall of something that I tried to do years ago was that I did it on my own and it all fell through. And if someone else had been involved in it, it probably wouldn't have done because two people are stronger than one. Um, unless you've got loads of money and loads of contacts, in which case, obviously, you can go for it on, on your own, yeah? But um, the biggest challenge we faced, and obviously we've spoke about this, was because we're new, and that's great, and because we only knew people from Central, really, was getting yeah. people involved. Because we were like, this idea is amazing, but obviously there's so much stuff going around online, and there's so many things you have to be cautious of, that it was a bit like, oh, how do we, how, how, you know, we thought we'd get loads of applications. We we honestly thought we'd mm. be like really in the mid. And it was like, oh, and we just didn't. But we got enough. We were to, messaging to, people and everything. We were like, do you want to be part of our cabaret? <laughs> and we got, but we got enough to do the first cabaret in what we thought we needed. And that was cool. That was good. Um, yeah. And we, you know, we learn 
so much from so the much, first yeah. cab and really um beneficial because we were lucky enough to get nick barstow to empty our first cab because he big just man. done our show for us big man nick mm-hmm. um which is great because obviously nick is you know a very successful working professional md knows everybody knows everything so straight after he gave us loads of feedback and was like right okay you need to think about this 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 and this and yeah. it was like okay cool and it was all things we agreed with but it was great to have someone who just come in to, to you know basically accompany and give a few notes who was able to go you need to think about blah 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 and it gave us a really nice focus for our next one which I would say we we did really well because we yeah. honestly when we look at the growth from the first to the second it's amazing how much it changed and how much we took it on board and it wasn't perfect but nothing ever is going to be perfect and the point is that we want to keep evolving it and there's always going to be something that you're going to go oh let's try this next time and we might Mm -hmm. try it and it might we might go oh no you know what let's go back to what we did first the second time because that worked better but you just you you know no one's going to die from it so it's like it's us doing it we have fun doing it so it's all about experimenting but that challenge of finding people did not go away in the second one because we we were like right well we've done one We've got all these cool pictures. We've got videos. We've got a promo. We've got this, that, and the other. People are <laughs> going to be flooding us with applications. And the first few weeks, we were just like, oh, my God, it's literally going to be me, it was Tash, that, wasn't it? and, like, one other person. Yeah. No, Nobody was applying. Like, nobody was applying. And also, we decided that we were going to have a lot more. We had space for a lot more performers. We not realised how quick mm. the first one was going to go. And we were like, what we're going to do like what we're going to do first one we literally like we got through all of our performers and we just i remember us looking at each other and it had been like just over an hour or something and we just went right well that's done (laughs) but i I think we were nervous everyone was nervous and and everyone kind of got up and went hello my name is this and i'm singing this and this because i'm not a boy and sang and stuff like that. And as Laura said, it was it was such a learning curve. And they and as she I said, mean, even the last one, we sat after the last one and, you know, we thought we had done so much better, but we still have, you're always going to have stuff to sort out and stuff that can be better and stuff to change. Yeah. I remember Laura actually saying at the first cabaret, I think it was at the end of the night and stuff when I came to say bye and stuff, I remember you saying that next cabaret we do, you were wishing for people not to just do gender bended songs yeah like not to just change the gender but like think a bit outside of the box and stuff and yeah I wasn't live at the second one but from the footage that I saw it seems like you did achieve that goal of getting more people to think outside of the box and things and yeah I thought that was really great one thing that, that with the first one was we the feedback that we got was they wanted people would have loved to see like slightly different things and obviously more performers but that was the only like criticism that we got from the night we had such glowing reviews and it was so lovely that you know yes it was really short the first one but better to be short and get like amazing praise than be three hours long and people be sat there like oh my god when is this going to end this this Mm. was too long they had too many people and it was nice because it let us build on it and it was something that we really encouraged with the second one. We were like, you know, and 
very much don't just don't just pick you can pick a song because it was sung by a man and you want to sing it and you're a woman you see yourself as a woman or you see yourself as non-binary and you don't feel like this song would ever be played by a person who was non-binary or non-conforming to that whatever perceived gender yeah and that's fine if that's the reason but we really wanted to expand it and be like please come at us with more 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 of that and i think a lot of the hesitation came from performers being like I don't know if you'd want that. I didn't know if you'd yeah. want that. I remember Jack Donald, who is amazing and who did both of our cabarets. Oh, the first bae. time he applied, we love him so much. Um, <laughs> We're but literally, me, me and Tasha like, just <laughs> love Jack Donald so much. Um, but he, um, I don't know if you remember, Tasha, you probably do. His first application, he sent us a song by a guy, and I can't remember he what sent song. Us about, song. He, both cabarets, he sent us about 12 different versions he did. Of, of songs that he would want to perform. But the first one, he was like, he listed all these songs that were typically sung by men. Um, and he was like, um, oh, I, I wouldn't get to play them because I'm not masculine enough and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. And we were like, yeah. okay, that's cool. And then his last thing was, or oh, I'd love to sing Get Out and Stay Out, nine to five. Like, obviously it's a woman's song, but I just love the song and blah, blah, blah. And then he attached a clip of himself singing it. And we were like, oh my God, he needs to sing nine to five. Like, he, that's what he needs to sing. Yeah. And when we told him, he was like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe you picked that song. I just never thought that I'd be able to get to sing that song. And I didn't think that's what you wanted and blah, blah, mm. blah. And we were like, no, like, that's so what we want. That like, that's just so what we, what we want. And also, it means that we've got so many more performers who've done it who tell other performers about it and go, oh, yeah, like, you can sing pretty much whatever you want. Like I mean, that's the beauty of, of it. I think about 50% of the new people who kind of came into the cabaret for the second one were people who uh, were friends with a few of the performers from the first cabaret who had seen it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, wherever they saw it and had, had seen association, you know, either, you know, a friend being tagged and, mm. and they were just like, oh, yeah, my friend, you know, so-and-so did the last one and they said it was really fun. So I thought I'd apply. And we, we did, we, I remember when we finally got everyone together on the night and it was just, it was so lovely because not everyone knew each other, but there were all these really cool kind of back way contacts. And we did have a few more of people from like central and everything. And I think what the really nice thing was is from the first one, I think we were very like, oh, this is our project and this is, this is for our degree and blah, blah, blah. And the second one and where we can, like, why we wanted to continue is because we just want to put on a good night of entertainment that allows a bunch of people to, one, just perform in general. Because if you're not getting a bloody acting job, it's so easy to just not do any kind of performance. And it was also, you know, it was a bit slightly selfishly for us. We, you know, we, we want to keep getting up and performing to let people, you know, explore different songs that they would not be called for the role or anything. And yeah, I think it, it was just about, I think there was a, uh, in the second one, just this real level of everyone relaxing and having a good time. You know, we're not, we're not putting on a big symphony at the Albert Hall. You know, we're in a nice little piano jazz bar with a bar at the back so everyone can get pissed while enjoying some beautiful singing. Um, and having, just having a really good time. And as Laura said, I think it was so nice um, to see the growth between the first and the second and using that feedback, both from performers and, you know, we were so lucky to have the, 
the feedback from Nick because we really encouraged people. And as I think I already said it, but it, it got there sort of in, in our second one where we did have more, um, cause you know, we had a bunch of, we had gender swapping, which is always great. It's always good fun. Um, but we did, we had, you know, we had, um, amazing non-binary performers like Meg McGrady, who the miscast of her, uh, of their song, excuse me, um, was because of their identity as a non-binary performer as to opposed to a male or female, you know, and how that can affect your casting. And, and as I said before, we had jazz doing, um, her jazzy version of wishing you were somehow here. And that's the kind of thing that we do want to keep promoting is because it's just nice to be a bit creative and give it your own weird spin, no matter how, like, even if it's literally you just coming up and being a weirdo, but having the best time ever. That's what um, sets you yeah, apart. Like, we really, yeah, we really promote it's fun. Like we want mm-hmm. the audience to sit there and be like, this is so good. And the audience also does include me and Tash because we was, I was just, we were so entertained mm. by the people who got up and, and mm. the things that they did. And we want it to just like be fun. Like that is the biggest thing. It should be fun for the person on stage and it should be fun for the people in the audience. Yeah. And ultimately that's what performing is. But there's so much other tomfoolery, I'll mm. say, to make the, the <laughs> word PG that goes on within the industry in all realms that sadly, and everyone does it, you forget why, you, you forget that you're doing your headshots, your show reel, your voice reel, your this, your that, the other, because you love performing and because yeah. you love getting on a stage and you love telling a story and you love having a good time and you love seeing people go, oh, that was awesome. I had such a good night. Mm. You for- everyone forgets because yeah. you become so bogged down with the process of drama school, auditions, the, no, no, agents, casting directors, that you just forget that, that the, actually what you want to be doing is having a lovely time on stage. Yeah, yeah. you kind of get and lost in your been, journey. And then it's yeah. beautiful to see that something like this can spark creation and like spark all that uniqueness again. And then at the, like it will give that back to the performer actually as well to see that he, like the performer can do such amazing things. And that's how he's going to stand yeah. out in an audition room, for example, as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know, the jazzy version of wishing you were somehow here again might be performed in an audition room by that person. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually really interesting. I just have to note this because Jazz mm-hmm. told me, I'm sh- Jazz is Jazz, I'm sure I can say this. Um, <laughs> so Jazz got some feedback off uh, a casting director on her vocal reel and stuff and all this other stuff. And she got all this really, really good, constructive and positive feedback. But they also said to put that clip on to her um oh wow to, onto whatever i don't spotlight or whatever it was i don't know could make it up but she told me that they yeah. told her to use it because it showed her off so well mm-hmm. like because that was jazz in her element, in her yeah. element. Yeah. and like you know we were so lucky the second time around to have uh sam young md in for us who is just the absolute whiz kid of the yeah. musical world and he just and what I love telling people about that song is because, and also jazz did as well, because people yeah. were going to jazz and being like, Oh my God, your song was amazing. And she was just like, it was Sam. It was Sam yeah. because she brought <laughs> the standard sheet music for wishing but like a, a bit key, lower. A different yeah. Key. Yeah, she brought it down lower key and was like, well, I wanted to do it a bit jazzy, but like, if you can't do it jazzy, I'll just sing it down the key. This was honestly about two hours before the show. Yeah. And he was like, no, what do you want it? Like, and just played it. And obviously, if you listen to this and you don't know me and Tash, 
please go to the page just to watch Jazz's performance. Because yeah. when you listen to it and watch it and you go, wow, she literally brought that sheet music to him, totally not what was written, and he just made it up and was like, yeah, I'll do it for you. No props. Yeah. It's incredible. So it's fabulous to know that that was her. Like, yeah. It showed her off so well. So mm-hmm. well. Mm. And I think just really quickly going back to you saying about challenges, a miscast cabaret isn't anything new. You know, True. it's it's not. You know, we can't pretend we've had a super original idea. But, you know, it. it I mean, bloody hell, the, the MCC theatre miscast is something that's watched, you know, constantly, you know, it's a massive event in itself, but people watch it all the time online and, and everything. And, you know, there are other um, events that are similar. And I think what we wanted to do is, is not to, you know, we just wanted to do something that was us, but doing mm. that kind of cabaret. And I think that's what we have done. Yeah. But there, it, there was, there was definitely that challenge of, okay, well, how do we make ourselves not a carbon copy of this very similar, you know, event going on here or whatever? And I I think where we kind of uh, stand out, not stand out, but, you know, differ ourselves is the fact that we're giving the opportunity to, you know, people who aren't on the West End right now or anything like that. It's people who, who are kind of doing that hustle, doing that work. And I know everyone's hustling. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, if you're on the West End, you don't have to hustle anymore or anything. I know everyone in this industry, no matter what level you're at, you are always hustling. But, you know, to give that opportunity to people, you know, who might not be in a show, but want to invite a casting director or an agent to something, you know, a a lot of people that we had, especially in the second um, cabaret were, you know, uh, recentish um, drama school graduates, or from all sorts of schools. Some were not. Some had been in the industry a while. Some were represented. Some had neither trained nor had any representation. So, I think for us, it's a way it's uh, provide a platform of some sort that might hopefully be a fun way of having a bit of a stepping stone. Or mm-hmm. you know, and even if it is like what Laura said about jazz is even if it is providing something that you can chuck on your vocal reel. Yeah. Hopefully you've had a really good time with doing it and been able to get something out of it for yourself. Yeah. It literally, me and Tash look at it as like, when you're at a stage in your career, like early on, like, you know, we all are, and you see all these things come up and you're like, oh my God, I really want to apply for that. But so often when it's something like miscasting, just like Tash said, like it's not a new idea, they quite rightly so they want people to sell tickets they want people who are known they want people within the west end they want someone that they can go oh well you know we know that she's amazing because she does eight shows a week or she's done 18 national tours or whatever Mm. and that's amazing that's fabulous but sometimes it leaves people still trying to break into it going oh my god well what can i well what can i do it's that Mm. vicious cycle like when you're trying to 15 and you're trying to get a job you can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience without a job. It's like, yeah. it's that cycle <laughs> yeah. of, of that thing and you're like, oh my God. So me and, exactly like Tasha said, our USP we, we discovered as after our first one was that we want to give people like us the chance to perform and the chance yeah. to get up and the chance to meet other people and network because you never know who's going to give you your next job. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. And to round off the little interview, you've told us your USB of I Can Do That Cabaret, but 
What are your unique individual USPs as performers? Okay, I'll go ahead. So my USP, okay, one of them is that I'm from Manchester. And yes, there are lots and lots of people from Manchester. And I'm not trying to pretend that I'm the only Northern person (laughs) in the world who wants to go into musical theatre because I'm not. But you it always gets commented on it always gets commented on auditions workshops they're like oh laura someone tries to put on my accent so rather than like running away from it i just embrace it and it's always something i put about myself so like you know you've got to like email about yourself or something i'd be like i'm really proud that i'm from manchester blah 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 and can talk about you know the bees of manchester for 25 hours amongst other things that's a big USP. And then my other USP that I also have had to learn to embrace is that I, I in the words of my tutor, I am not a size four soprano, blonde soprano. And that's absolutely fine. I'm a bit different. I don't fit into, you know, this box or that box. I am what I am. I'm good at a variety of things. And if that's okay, then that's okay. And if it's not, that's also absolutely fine. And that's my USP that I am Laura Feenan from Manchester and I can do what I do. And if you don't need me to do that, that's absolutely fine. But I hold out that one day somebody will need an outspoken Mancunian with a mezzo-soprano voice. Boom. Boom. Salt. (laughs) What about you, Tash? Mm. She's international. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first day we met at Central, and we were in this plane, and you're like, "I'm from Australia, but I'm also I from know. there." And then no, I was like, "Oh, I can remember that." I remember that when I sat next to you in the canteen, Tash, and I'd not spoken to you all morning. I was like, "Oh, so where are you from?" And you literally did this. You went, "Oh, well, I've told this story so much, but I have." Um, so I was born in Singapore. <laughs> Oh, I completely feel Literally, as you were saying, as you were like doing your USP, I was like, the two of them are just going to roll their eyes. I think, right. I, I want to say something about so USP, your USP. Before, before I start though, because we've just like, we've both just, well, I'm about to say, but you've just said, you know, your USP can be where you come from. And I think sometimes people get sold up in, um, sold up, what's that? That's not even English. Kind of wrapped up that's the word I want in kind of like being like um especially for drama school auditions I found this but like just in general where people are like um well I've um I was part of my amateur youth theatre and I was part of the national youth theatre and I do this and this is all the drama that I do and I do I've done dance since I was seven and and singing lessons every weekend and everything and I think sometimes a casting director wants a chat and sometimes your USP is not how much training you've done or how much you love acting. And I think it's really important that people know that because, and here we go, you're both going to roll your eyes, because I was born in Singapore, (laughs) but I am a Canadian and British citizen. My dad is from Canada, my mom is from England, and I was raised in Australia. So that itself is already a bit of a talking point and I know when I speak to casting directors, they are just, I mean, when I talk to anyone, this is why I did the bit of the, when I, when me and Laura met and she was like, oh, I've told this story so many times, but it's true because you kind of, people will go, oh, you're from Australia. Um, you're, you know, are your parents Australian? And I'll 
I don't know, Christiana has this as well with your many, your, your many countries. International buddies. Exactly. Except I'm boring and I can't talk any other languages. I just talk English with different accents from where I'm from. <laughs> but like, you know, you do, it starts a conversation because someone will go, oh, why, why, were you, why were you born in Singapore? And, and then, oh, okay, so your parents are from Australia, so you went back there. And I'm like, no. Oh, so your mum's Australian. No, my mum's British. Oh, so your dad's Australian. No, my dad's Canadian. Why do you live in Australia? Because neither of my parents like cold weather. And that is the truth. And that's, but that's a chatting point in itself. But I remember once I played, I did a lot of sport growing up. And I was a swimmer and I was a surf lifesaver. And I remember telling someone once, they were just like, tell me the most random thing about you. And I was a state, <laughs> I sound really up myself, but I was a state champion in surf lifesaving and competed nationally. And uh, was, it was when I was at the National Youth Theatre and I was doing a workshop and it was Kathy Owen, who I loved working with. And she turned around, she went, that is your USP. I remember sitting there going, that has nothing to do with acting. She was like, no but they're going to talk to you about that. And that is a conversation starter. So I think it's really important that you don't always think about it. And also sometimes, so that's, those, that's, that's a long winded way of me saying my internationalness is a USP, but I also think, and I've only just kind of, I'm still coming to terms with this one. I sometimes think that the things that you might not, you know, for example, your casting bracket, that might sometimes be told to you you're negative are also sometimes your superpower. So as we said, I, you know, we had the conversation about being, you know, told will be older roles. And I, you know, as we said, it was like, Oh great. Well, you're 26 in drama school. What are you going to do with that? But I was recently told you could play your age and cover older roles. And that is a superpower. And that's a way you'd be able to get work. And I was kind of like, Oh, Oh, okay. I, I didn't, think that before so for me I think my ability to play older is also what but also my own age is also my USP but it's really important to focus on that and not like as you said think of your USP not only as your artistic talent because at the end of the day everyone who's in this business is talented we're all talented we can all sing we can all act we can all dance and it is true. Like it's there for you to start a conversation because then the yeah. casting team can see who you actually are, how you naturally react to your story. And I think that tells so much more of a performer if they're standing there proud with who they are. And then, you know, yeah. they're going to be comfortable with like the cast members, the team, because everything is a team at the end of the day. So that is really important yeah. to think about that. It's not only your talent, but it is your story. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Unfortunately, on the day of recording, technology wasn't on our side and we didn't get to say our proper goodbyes. So at this point, I want to say a big massive thank you to Laura and Tash from I Can Do That, a miscast cabaret. Go and show them some love on social media, give them a follow and make sure to keep up with all their upcoming events. I hope you've enjoyed today's chat. I cannot wait to welcome you back on Artist Avenue next week with another exciting interview. Till then, have a beautiful sunny week and see you soon.